0: This is Women Road Warriors with Shelly Johnson and Kathy DeCaro from the corporate office to the cab of a truck. They're here to inspire and empower women in all professions. So gear down, sit back, and enjoy. Welcome
1: to Women Road Warriors with Shelly Johnson and Kathy DeCaro. We're a show that works to inspire and empower women in trucking, in the trades, and every profession. We tackle all kinds of topics and work to encourage women to be their very best with informative guests and women who've been champions. I'm Shelley.
2: And I'm Kathy.
1: No topic is not allowed on our rig. We tackle the tough topics along with the not-so-tough topics. And we like to feature experts, champions, and celebrities who can assist women in being the very best they can be. If you've ever been told, it's too late to follow that dream you've always had, think again. Quite often, women put off their aspirations, ambitions, and careers to care for others. Women often get discouraged because they get sidetracked from their dreams. They feel once they reach a certain age, they have to abandon those dreams. They think their chance is over, but it's never too late to go for it. Jean Peelan is a trailblazer who proves thinking it's too late to achieve your dreams is all bunk. When you count her role as wife and mother, she's had six careers. At the age of 35, after raising a family, she decided she wanted to give a voice to others, so she became a civil rights attorney. She then started a third career as chief of staff for U.S. Broadcasting, a federal broadcasting agency in Washington, D.C. She retired from that job, and then became a print model and hair model on QVC. Not stopping there, she was shortlisted in an audition for the TV show Survivor. A few years later, she went into politics. Now she's an author at the age of 81, and she inspires other women, and is going non-stop. Jean is an amazing lady and a true inspiration, and we have her on our show. Welcome, Jean. You are a serious powerhouse. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) you've lived multiple lifetimes in
3: one and we want to know more sure i'm so happy to be here i'm so happy you have this show to to promote each other to help women live their full full lives that's just what i've always been about and so i'm i'm thrilled that you two are doing this show it's great well i find you completely amazing
2: uh kidding wow (laughs) so tell the portfolio
1: (laughs) You were raising kids. Uh, You were a mother and a wife when you decided, okay, this is where I'm going to pivot. How did all of this happen?
3: Yeah, uh, well, I'll tell you, uh, I wanted to be the first New Jersey cowboy when I was a kid. That's what I wanted. Oh, I love it. (laughs) I, I I had a feeling from the time I was little that I was intended to do something. I didn't know what it was, but something, something, something. And I dreamed about it, and, and I went to college. I lied to my family, told them I wanted to be a missionary so that I could get out of New Jersey and go, go to Michigan to a little church college. Okay. I um, but I, I discovered that um, all my friends, this is the 1950s, late 1950s, early 1960s, when we women were still going to college in order to get our MRS degree. Yes. Uh, You know, where that was the point. And I remember writing to my parents when I was frustrated with college and frustrated with everything. I just didn't see what was ahead, but I I knew I had dreams of doing something wonderful in the world. And I remember my father writing back to me, my father and mother together and saying, well, we know you have special dreams, but when you have children, then your dreams will be realized through them. And I thought, this is the most ridiculous circle I ever heard of. <laughs> <laughs> so do I get to tell my daughters that their dreams will come through their children? Do you know, it was just crazy. Yeah. But, but I gave into it and, and I followed the path that we were supposed to follow and I got married. And I had two wonderful children and a minister husband and everything was fine for maybe 10, 12 years, except it really wasn't. I was sort of depressed about mm. Where, mm. where where I was and going to coffee or tea and and that was sort of and taking care of the kids. So luckily for me, my husband was sent off in the army to Korea for a year. And I went back to college because I hadn't finished college. I had dropped out and gotten married mm-hmm. and I got involved in. I was older than all the other students there. I was at least 10 years older, but I, I got involved in like the, the women's movement and the civil rights movement and everything that was going on at that time. Cause now we're in the seventies. I was or early seventies. I got involved in all of that. And I heard a speech by someone who said something akin to, why is it that women's place is in the home? Why can't women's place be leading the world? And I thought, oh my goodness, why not? Yeah.
2: Honestly. Right? Yeah. (laughs)
3: Yeah. And, And then something amazing happened. The civil rights movement was happening. My husband was a minister. Martin Luther King was assassinated. And in the church, my husband's church, was a a janitor, a custodian. He was the only black person within miles of the church. And and he asked for time off to go to the funeral, Martin Luther King's funeral. Mm -hmm. And everybody said, why? Now, he had worked in this church for 40 years why why would you go to the funeral and he said because my niece is coretta scott king and it's family well the rumors i mean the 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 church exploded with we have to fire him oh my goodness he's, he's a communist and that was my sort of moment of saying wait a minute wait a minute what is going on in this world And at that moment, I knew when I watched him insist on getting the time off to go at the risk of his 40 year job, I was in such admiration for him, for this individual, at what he was risking to stand up for community, for family, for the right thing, that I thought, that's it. I have to become a civil rights lawyer. (laughs) I mean, that's just it. Mm-hmm. and i did i i went to law school dragging my two kids behind me um and and studied for three years and became a civil rights lawyer wow um, you know it's it's a weird story wow. but it's a truthful story and all the years in civil right and i work in civil rights it was in education and so i did a lot of work with kids with disabilities in public schools and a lot of work with women's athletics, you know, uh, making sure women got to participate in athletics in elementary and high school and colleges. And it was wonderful career. I loved every second of it, every second. But then I had done it all. So I took another job in broadcasting. Don't ask me why, except it was offered and it was a big job. It was a chief of staff of a federal agency that had Broadcasting. I mean, it was US broadcasting that was all over the world. Okay. Short wave and medium wave and long wave. And I can't imagine why they hired me, but they did. And so I got to see more of the world and see how the world works. I think I'm babbling on here. Oh, no, this is great. Oh, no,
2: no. Oh, huh?
3: good, good. And, and, when I was done with that, I sort of get done on things. You know, when I've done it all, when I've contributed everything I think I have to contribute, and things moving start, on, yeah, I move on because it feels like why would I repeat myself? You know, over and over when I'm not growing and I'm not helping others anymore to grow because I've sort of used myself up. I move on. So I retired, and now you will enjoy this. The day I retired, um, the first retirement, I was in my office packing up and the TV was on in my office and somebody said, so you want to be a model? It was a commercial. And I thought, oh, that's a good idea. I was 59 Mm -hmm. and I thought, well, I could become a model to model that women can do anything they set their minds to. Oh, I love it mind you i knew nothing about modeling i knew nothing about the modeling world i just decided it and i went to this thing which was it was about a half a scam you know half real half scam Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you went to this big hotel ballroom and they and there were like 300 people 400 people there and they said you can become a lifestyle model And they had you parade in front of all these agents they had brought in from around the country from modeling agencies. Mm -hmm. And if they liked you. They would write your name down and they would keep a bunch of people behind. So they kept me behind and they said, yeah, you can model, you can model. What they don't tell you is that these agents are in L.A. I'm in Washington, D.C. They're in L.A. They're in um, Chicago. They're in Atlanta. And they don't want people from Washington, D.C. there. They, They just got paid to be there. So, but I thought, well, they showed interest. So I wrote to the ones who were from New York City. There were several from New York City. I wrote to them and said, could I come up there for an informational interview so I can learn more about the modeling world? But really, I wanted to be signed with them. And so I went up. And i got signed with three agencies good for you you know and just good started for you. modeling it was the best job ever let me tell you when you can go someplace and they dress you and they do your hair and they do your makeup mm-hmm. and then and they put you in front of the camera and they say smile and then they give you money it was shocking to me that it was that crazy i mean you're it's very weird that whole industry is very weird because you're not really a person i had to give up any idea that i had anything to sort of contribute in terms of their lives because in, in that industry you're called the talent Right. And, uh, mm-hmm. I was the talent. I didn't even have a name. I didn't need to have a name. I was just the talent that went before the camera. But it was fun. I had a great time with it. They kept giving me what I call pretend husbands. I had three jobs in a row, two commercials and a print job, where they would give me a pretend husband. They would show us, oh, like walking through the farmers market holding hands or riding bicycles on the beach and giving loving looks to each other and then they would give him a heart attack oh jeez <laughs> and they would show, oh, my. show me you know in the hospital looking concerned <laughs> or, mm-hmm. and i thought i can't even keep pretend husbands you know this is pitiful <laughs> <laughs> i know this is this is weird but you know, i i loved it Modeling on QVC and then also on Home Shopping Network, I modeled hair on QVC and skin on Home Shopping Network, and th- those jobs are great fun. They're really great fun. I I have su- I have to tell you, my friends all think I'm crazy. I have such admiration for the hosts on those two stations because they can sell anything.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, anything. You know, I used to do a takeoff with one of them who thought I was very funny. I would hold up a a yellow number two pencil Mm -hmm. and say, this pencil is unlike any others. The shade of yellow is stunning, simply stunning. (laughs) Nothing else is like it out there. And you can use this for as long as it lasts. And look here on the end, an eraser. What a clever thing. What a clever thing. I mean, that's how they talk. <laughs> and they do it all day
1: too. Oh, sure. Yeah. I,
3: really, I really, I think they're just amazing, amazing actresses, you know, amazing people that they can just talk through everything.
1: Mm-hmm. And then you decided to run for office and I did. you were a finalist on Survivor. That's
3: I amazing. was a finalist to be on Survivor. Okay. To be on Survivor. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah first I was on the I I was watching Survivor and two friends and I were writing a book about being over 50. it's still out there you can probably buy it for a dollar and a half on Amazon it's called saving the best for last creating our lives after 50. and we were writing this so I thought well how can we publicize this and I thought I know I could go on Survivor so I wrote to him sent him a video they ended up picking 50 of us out of thousands to come to LA Santa Monica and stay in a hotel for 2 weeks um and you it was an amazing experience they should be handling security for the entire nation let me tell you they are <laughs> so good at it um you were not allowed to speak to anyone in the hotel you were not out, allowed out of your room except for lunch dinner and a one hour to work out in the gym and you were taken there and and obviously there were other contestants and they didn't want you to meet any of the other potential contestants so they put us through all kinds of i spent two weeks doing interviews i ended up it looked like i was going to be on i even had to get my what do you call them? Injections, you know, to go somewhere to a foreign country. Okay. Vaccine. Vaccination. Yeah, vaccines. Yeah. And um, and they kept my passport. And then they said, oh, sorry, you didn't make it. I said, oh, no, oh. no, oh, no. But it was it was fun. It was a great experience. Um, I, and it's hard to even explain why, except it was I was allowed to tell my children uh, where I was for two weeks because they might have wondered. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that was all so but that so, was how it.
1: old were you when you decided to be a finalist
3: i was about 62. okay Excellent. um he have been the oldest they had at that point mm-hmm. and and they they had you could take one thing with you and they asked what i would take and i said i would take my ukulele <laughs> so, oh i love it so that i could sing to myself <laughs> on, on wherever it was which turned out to be an island you know, in Panama or somewhere. Sure. Um, but I didn't make it. I was kind of sad that I didn't make it. Although I knew that if I did, it could be bad. Because when I get hungry, I get really hangry.
1: Uh-huh. I, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, me I too. Do too.
3: I do
2: too. <laughs> I don't do well on the intermittent fasting thing. That doesn't work for me. Oh, no.
3: <laughs> me either. I really get crabby. me too just feed me me and I'll be fine (laughs) and I thought I don't know about this maybe you know if I get on there this could be bad (laughs) this could really be bad (laughs) um because they were asking me questions in all the interviews like um what would you do if somebody made a racial slur because they knew I had been a civil rights attorney and I was being all I think now I know what they wanted me to say like I you know slug them or something you know but what I said was something like well I would talk to them to see what it is in their background that made them so insensitive blah 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 you know that isn't what they wanted to hear (laughs) right they they did not and I but I thought and if I had really gotten on the show and was hungry, I probably would have punched somebody out, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's funny.
0: Stay tuned for more of Women Road Warriors, coming up.
1: Industry movement Trucking Moves America Forward is telling the story of the industry, our safety champions, Jane, all of this is truly amazing. So then after you did all of the things you told us about, you came out of retirement and decided to run for office. That's another wow.
3: Yeah, I did retirement number two. I retired from QVC and from writing the book and from trying to be on Survivor. And I moved to an island off the west coast of Florida called Anna Maria Island, which is or was a lovely little paradise. And what I, uh, it's like seven miles long, had about 5,000 residents and except in the winter when it had about 30,000 residents, like, you know, any Florida coastal town.
1: Sure. And
3: when I got there, I thought I was so bored. I cannot tell you, retirement is really, I I kept thinking, this has got to be more than Taco Tuesdays. I mean, really. How (laughs) exist golfing and going to taco Tuesday um and having lunches and playing bridge so I I decided to run for office in my little bitty city there and when I decided the way I should do that is to go knock on every door in the city so because I was brand new had just moved there recently so I started knocking on doors and what I discovered that was that there was a huge issue going on with because of the desire by the state and county for tourism that the developers had moved in and were tearing down all these delightful little beach cottages and putting up six, eight, ten bedroom houses um, for short term rentals so they could pack in as many people as possible. And this was happening and the residents were being pushed out and even the snowbirds who would come for three or four months were being pushed out. And I suddenly I had a new cause and I ran on that basis and got into office and discovered the joys and sorrows of being a public servant. Um, and I tell you, it was really interesting. It's just a different way to serve right now i think public service uh, uh, public servants are under attack like crazy whether mm-hmm. you're teachers whether you're working in a store you know whatever you are so open to being maligned being attacked people are crappy nowadays mm-hmm. post pandemic and and i i so admired in my little town this was a there wasn't even any pay um it was just you were doing it because you loved your town and nice. and and yet and you had to learn to take all those slings and arrows you know of oh who's paying you off you know or or from the developers well I, actually i was sued um i had to fend off lawsuits and attacks on your character or attacks on your motives it was it was tough for six years. Matter of fact, my last day in office, after my third two-year term, my last day there at a commission meeting, I found a Wonder Woman costume and I put it on and I wore it to my retirement meeting. (laughs) (laughs) Because I knew the press would be there, right? And I said, this is what it takes. That's great. This is what it takes to be in office. You best be Wonder Woman. Yeah. You know, but it was a great experience. I, I have to tell you, I, you know, I my life. What I discovered really was that a couple things about life. My life was about serving, about public service, about about serving the voiceless, really mm-hmm. those groups of people who don't have a voice in this world, whether they be children, children with disabilities, women, minorities, any group that doesn't have a voice, that was a joy. And So that's the biggest thing I discovered was that I'm not happy unless I'm doing something that serves, serves, you know, something, something. Of course, it also helps your ego. I like that a lot too, Uh I have to say, but yeah.
1: It sounds like you've always been an advocate, I and mean, you've got such moxie yeah. and chutzpah. What inspired all of that? Was that just kind of the way you were to begin with, and it just started to blossom?
3: Well, I'll tell you, it's, it's not a happy story. Um, I tell this, in I have a, a memoir that will be coming out. I thought in March, now it's August, um, coming out um, called Feisty, a memoir in little pieces And I tell the story in there probably for the first time ever of being uh, molested as a child. Oh, gosh. And what happens when that happens? And if I kept it because I was told not to tell anybody, I kept it secret, you know, kept it, didn't tell anybody. And it kept happening. And this went on for a period of months. And I think I don't think I know that what that instilled in me, I was voiceless. Do you know? Yeah. I felt I had no say. I had no power. I had no anything. And that I know, I know that that is what instilled in me a need to give voice to voiceless. That's why like working with children with disabilities was so big for me when I was working as a civil rights lawyer. Um, it it's it it finally taught me that even the horrible experiences in one's life, like that, like molestation, as horrible as it was, as much therapy as it took you know, to deal with it, it also made my life joe you know, it also gave me the reason for everything i do it
1: galvanized and you that, it?
3: Yes. you know yeah. that's like exactly
2: like me i've been uh molested since i've been very small and yes raped repeatedly um throughout my life and beaten and strangled and stalked yes. and like you, you just name it it happened and I mean, I I, I was a nurse for 13 years and because I hadn't dealt with it all and I mean, I lost everything I owned and was drunk and homeless and, you know, at the age of 42 and just miserable. But in saying that, all those experiences have formed who I am today. I mean, yes. today I have uh, I have 11 years sober. I I, I mean, I, I wrote my a couple books. I'm doing all sorts of things. I mean, I, I operate the largest equipment in the world. I do speaking engagements. I give back to every single community where I go. Yes. And I help the women that are in shelters for domestic violence. I help the youth ha- have a voice because I was like you. I was voiceless. Yes. I didn't say a word to anybody, not even my mother. Mother or my sisters until I was forty, right? Nobody knew. Yes. So suffering in silence. I mean, enough was enough, and that's why I was saying earlier about how my my motivation in life was that toothless Joe when I was drunk and homeless. I'm like, this is where it ends. (laughs) This is where it stops. This is uh, enough, right? Yes. And all those experiences have developed me into. Every single thing that I am, everything that I stand for, everything that I speak to, um, everywhere I go worldwide, I make a point of going to see the suffering, going to 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 meet those that are hurting, say, hey, here's my hand, here, let, let's get you back up and let's let us let us get you moving again. Yes. Because if you don't ha- hope is what helped me. So you gotta give it back. And I really believe that God did not leave me on earth um, to sit at home watching useless TV programs and, you know, doing nothing. (laughs) So I'm going to I'm going to be like you. I'm spending the rest of my life. I'm going to be 54 here in in a couple months. I'm going to spend the rest of my life to the very last day giving back and yes. helping those that are, and like, I'm gonna have, I'm gonna be just like you, not not even have three or four retirements. I'm not retiring, period. Like whatever right. I do, wherever I go, something's moving.
3: <laughs> uh, you got That's it. Great. You know, when I moved, I live in now in Western North Carolina in a tiny house, in a tiny house village. Um, I love my tiny house, 400 square feet of, of, of space to live in plus a front porch and a back porch and a loft. Anyway, when I got here I thought this is my final retirement. I am here now. This is it. I'm yeah. really retiring. But damn, <laughs> they didn't offer taco Tuesdays here. And I thought, no, it's following <laughs> me. Along.
2: I cannot deal with it. So, I'm not doing it. I'm not conforming. No. I'm not doing
3: it. And what yeah. I saw is that there were lots of lots of single women in here or 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 lots. And I thought, and I started thinking about, for the first time, really about my age. And I thought, wow, w- wait a minute. Remember, I remember reading that old people were revered in society at one point, revered for their wisdom, uh, looked to for wisdom, look to for guidance. And that ain't happening anymore. And I don't think we people who are aging know what to do with ourselves. And we have experience and we have wisdom. I'm sure we have a lot of bad habits, too. But we have experience and we have wisdom and we've been through things. I've been through alcoholism. I have been through all of this and I have learned a lot. But so what? Nobody cares. And so I started thinking about, well, who are we now? Who are we when we start to age? And so I started started a a website and a Facebook group called Old Women Who Write. And, And the purpose of the whole thing is to encourage women in their 70s, 80s, and 90s to write. Because writing is a way to pass on knowledge to pass mm-hmm. on what we've learned. Plus mm-hmm. it gives us a sense of purpose, a sense of self-respect that otherwise we don't get from walking our dogs. Do you know, we yeah. don't get it from any external source. I mean, people look at and through us in stores. Um, I have had, you know, I've had uh, people at the, counter at um like macy's although there's no macy's in western north carolina who who at the makeup counter who don't even see me standing there you know i don't exist because i'm not any more you know attractive in the world Um, and so this has given me my new purpose here's where i am encouraging women to respect themselves to have some to do something worth doing to write so I've been having the best time in my next iteration of my career in talking, I interview writers and the writers don't have to be 70, 80 or 90 if they're inspiring people. But I I also, I interviewed a a first time writer who is 82. And she her book is a hit, it's called Cat Brushing, which is a weird name. I'm interviewing women who have lived through the Holocaust. I am interviewing people who are inspiring and they inspire me. And I'm hoping they inspire other women who are out there. So what I'm discovering is more and more younger women are joining old women who write because they they are wanting to be inspired. Mm-hmm. They're wanting to talk about lives worth living which is what we get into when we start talking, what makes life worth living, you know? And for me, <laughs> what makes life worth living is living fully consciously every minute of every day. That's the goal. I mean, I don't meet that goal when I'm, you know, watching Dr. Phil on TV, no, but, right. but i that's what I strive to do. And I, the other thing I want to share with you and for people who, you know listen to your show who may be looking to do something but are scared here's what I discovered in my life I never knew how to do anything I set out to do and I never knew how I was going to do anything I set out to do I never had a plan um, and follow step one step two step three but what I always had was a vision of where I was going a vision of what I wanted and what I wanted to make happen. And once I had that vision and committed to it and got into action about it, boy, did the universe back me up. I mean, always the universe was there. Oh, this'll support you. Oh, how about this? Oh, here comes this person who knows a whole lot about this area. It was a, a repeated, amazing experience all the way through my life and even when that particular goal whatever it was like like being on Survivor for it was a good for instance Mm -hmm. even when it didn't ultimately end up in what I thought I what I said my vision was I learned so much along the way you know along the way to there's so much about how to make things happen so much about living into and fulfilling that it was worth every minute even if i didn't reach that final goal you and i are like two peas in
2: a pod
0: (laughs) unbelievable
2: (laughs) i am exactly the same what did (laughs) i know about writing a book nothing (laughs) i've never written anything but you know what, my book's now in five languages and oh, I got a second wow. book and I got a workbook and I'm working on a third book. Dang, um, what, someone, I, I'm impressed. What, you know, what do I know about uh, writing a screenplay? Nothing. And I wrote the screenplay and you know what? My, what do I know about marketing? Nothing. But here I am. I sold my house in Canada. I'm living in, in a tiny little garage space in, in in LA. I don't know what really I'm doing, but I have that vision of yep. what I ultimately want. And yep. and you're right. The universe sends me people that are good in marketing, that are good on social media, that are good on the air, so that, that yep. they can teach me or then I can, you know, it, it's amazing. Yep. And, it but you have to be brave enough and courageous enough to take that step and have that faith that, you know what? I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna feel the fear and do it anyway, and something's gonna come out of it. It's
3: called stepping out on the skinny branches. Do you know? Yeah, good
1: description.
3: That's that's what it is. It's stepping out without knowing where you're going, or you know why you're going, but you don't know how you're gonna get there, but you step out anyway. Oh, that's so true.
0: Stay tuned for more of Women Road Warriors coming up. Welcome back to Women Road Warriors with Shelley Johnson and Kathy Takaro.
1: Your focus and your dedication is so admirable, Jean. And you've had that focus, and it's so important.
3: You have Absolutely. your dream,
1: the vision. Your vision's yep. kind of your roadmap and your GPS, isn't it?
3: Yes. Do you know, one time my office, when I was um, working Um, for the U.S. Department of Education, my office had had 10 regional offices. And they said, we want you to take some of these people out of headquarters and create another regional office. And you have to do it with, you have to get 50 volunteers to do this. Um, And and these are, and they said, nobody's going to want to go. Everybody's very comfortable in the jobs they have. And they're going to be asked to do something totally different in a regional office than what they've been doing sitting in their little offices in Washington, DC. They said, so you gotta, you gotta do that. So I, what I held was a dreaming session. I invited everybody of the couples, there were about 300 people who worked in the headquarters office. I invited them to come. 55 people came and I said, we're going to shut our eyes and we're going to dream about what would make a perfect place to work. Well, if you work for the federal government, every employee will tell you is the, perfe- per- the perfect place to work is a place where I have a window in my office. And that's what everybody right. will tell you. That's number one. But then they came up with a list of everybody should have a window. Everybody should have a window. One, two, everybody. Th- the work should be worthy. Three. Everyone should be respected in the office for everyone should support each other in the office. And I said, then let's create that very office. Didn't know how within a year we had the we Oh, 52 people volunteered to come because the vision was so good. Mm-hmm. It was so great. It was so different than what they've ever had, especially the respect part. And it was so different, 52 people signed up, and within a year, we had a wonderful office. We had a place, oh, and we had a place where everybody had a window except the managers. (laughs) Oh, I
1: love it. (laughs) We didn't,
3: everyone else did because we found a place, it is now the Trump Hotel in Washington, DC, but it used to be called the old post office building. We had a place where it had outside windows but it also looked over a courtyard you mm-hmm. also had interior windows you know so but that was the, that is what vision can do when you create a vision you enroll other people in your vision
1: you really do yeah. you know Jen yeah. i love what you're doing with women on your website you're really inspiring them and you you know you're bucking the system you're being an advocate again uh you're fighting yeah. against ageism you are I think redefining in in especially in women's minds like you said you're you're bringing in a lot of younger people too. Yes. We have such a superficial culture that doesn't seem to revere or respect wisdom. I and agree. there's still the objectification of women which is totally inappropriate. We've got this youth culture and yep. you're making waves. You're bringing women back into their value and you're reestablishing hey Yes, you need to respect the older generation. We've been there, done that, got the T-shirt. You guys haven't, you know?
3: Yeah. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, I mean, it would be my hope that this becomes a national conversation among women over 50. You know, a national conversation about who are we? How do we choose to live? You know, when my grandmother was born in 1900, average age for women's lives was 50 something years old. Right. Well, now our average age is 85. And so the big question is what do we plan to do with the rest of our lives? Do you know? Sure. What do we plan to do? And so yeah. we can plan as a people, as women over 50 to to lead meaningful lives. Wow. What a wonderful thing that would be. Do you know? Yes. And maybe it will.
1: Also get women to stand up um, in terms of demanding what's right, what they deserve. I mean, even when women go into doctor's offices, I've heard this said, and and I, uh, when I was helping taking care of my disabled mom, yes. I saw a lot of uh, sexism with the doctors, quite frankly. Yes. They dismissed her. And yep. I stood up and said, that ain't happening. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And she was disabled She couldn't speak well all the time. She'd had encephalitis. And I remember bringing her in to talk to the doctor. He'd prescribed some dumb medication she didn't need. And Mm -hmm. I found out the proper tests weren't being done. And this was a $400 a month medication. She did not need it. And I was asking him questions. She's sitting there with me. And he said, well, it's apparent somebody's been doing their homework. And I shot back. I said, somebody ought to be.
3: really." really i
1: looked looked over at my mother and she had her thumb up
3: just
1: (laughs) like you go girl you know it really hit me hard how my mother was being dismissed yes and that's so wrong
3: right yeah right Mm -hmm. once once women are past the childbearing years and the years when they can be considered as sexual beings Okay, which ends somewhere in their late 50s, probably. I'm talking about how the rest of the world sees us. Mm-hmm. That's when your invisibility become, becomes evident, that women become, because of their age, invisible. And mm-hmm. it's at an age where men are still like rocking their careers and, you know, getting getting women who are 20 years old to be their yeah. partners, mm-hmm. shall we say. Um, you know, and so, yeah, I I am with you, the conversation to be had, I think is huge. And the contribution we women over 50 can make is enormous, just enormous.
1: I totally agree. And the concept that men are somehow sexier when they get older and women aren't, that's just bunk. We need to stand as a unit and say, hell no, and bite me. I mean, it's bunk. It's sexist, just sexist. And we need to stand up and say, this messaging is marginalizing women, and it should never have happened, and it's not going to continue. Bravo for what you're doing. Well, it sounds so, like you're going to be changing perspectives. This is terrific. I sure hope so. You know, and, and maybe educating younger women on, hey, you know, this needs to change. Yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah I don't know. I have six granddaughters, and uh, uh, and I hope they can hear it. Do you know, I hope they can. My oldest granddaughter just read the the transcript, or whatever you call it, for my manuscript for my forthcoming book, And she said, "Oh my God, Nana, I had no idea. No idea. You know, who you were. Who you are." Mm-hmm. I said, "Oh my goodness. Oh, let's have more of that. <laughs> let's have more of that. You know, who are we, women? Who are we? Once we're past being sex objects, who are we? And And that's a question for every. says we lose our sex appeal, men certainly don't say that about themselves, do they? Uh, No, they certainly (laughs) don't. They certainly don't. But I want to tell you what I learned early on: men my age want a nurse with a purse. That's you know, I've heard that. They're looking for. (laughs) (laughs) They're certainly not looking for women their own age.
2: (laughs) That's hilarious, a nurse with a purse. (laughs) It's true, it's true. (laughs)
1: Well said.
0: Stay tuned for more of Women Road Warriors, coming up.
1: She's passionate about personal growth and believes anyone can change their circumstances and overcome their obstacles if they believe in themselves. Her life will amaze you and seriously inspire you. Be sure to order a copy of her book, Dream Big, on Amazon.com. Industry movement, Trucking Moves America Forward is telling the story of the industry, our safety champions, Gene, oh you are so refreshing. You are just what we need. Where is your website?
3: How do people reach out to you? I'm yeah. sure there are yeah. going to be people clamoring to buy your books. Oh, good. I, you know, I'll, I'll surely let you all know when that book comes out if, so you can you can tell your, your listeners. Um, the website is surpriseoldwomenwhowrite.com. And if they want to join, the old women who write, why they would go on there is to, to hear the interviews and see the interviews I'm doing with writers and publishers and agents and um, all kinds of people who are involved, poets who are involved with writing. Um, and on Facebook, they can join old women who write, a Facebook group. And that's more lively. Uh, it's more real and in your life and every day. Do you know where people are? I'm um, in there and I have 30 year olds in there and 40 year olds in there. Most of us are in the age range, but I so also have younger people and it's more lively, particularly for those who want to write. I invite people who have thought about it or want to write. Writing my memoir has been the best, cheapest therapy I've ever had. I really heartily endorse everyone write your memoir because here's what happens when you go back and you try to remember what happened when you were 16 and that all these incidents that we remember and we're not sure even why we remember them mm-hmm. but they stand out for some reason right when you go back i found i started realizing what the situation was who was there what was behind it what it real, why I remembered it, why it was so important. And so it's great therapy. And like I said, it's cheap. It's just you and your computer or your pen and paper. It's cathartic. Very much, so. mm-hmm. very much so. So old women who write, whether it's the website or the Facebook group or both, I would love for people to, to join, a, join in.
1: I want to say bravo to what you're doing, Jean, and you no, are an kidding. amazing woman.
2: Thank you. Absolutely. I, I'm I'm so inspired just to keep doing what I'm doing just because of you. Like mm-hmm. you know, I've been sitting here struggling some like because I often wonder, am I making that difference? We're like, what am I doing? But listening to you, I'm like, you get just keep on doing what you're doing, woman. That's right. <laughs> That's right. And you you too
3: also, both of you.
1: That's why we invited you on here because we want to inspire women and empower them. Yeah. You've been there. You've done that. You've done a marvelous job in so many different capacities and you've got so much to teach people. And anybody who says, Oh, I can't. Yeah, you can. Yeah, you can. Yeah. Yeah. Can't is not a word people should use. And Jean, you're a wonderful example of that.
3: Good. A, A big life lesson for myself and everyone is I like, I love, I happen to love men. I love men. But I always know, I've finally learned, I have to love myself more. Yep. Yep. Isn't that the truth? And that's what people
1: need to learn to do. So many people don't. And it's a process. It's a process, certainly. Yep. Yep. What is your website again, Jean, just in case somebody didn't write it down? Oldwomenwhowrite.com. Okay, wonderful. And people can reach out to you with any questions, that sort of thing? Absolutely.
3: Absolutely. Or, or join the Facebook group, old women who write. This is so much fun talking
1: to you. I'm inspired. You
3: made my day. It definitely made mine. My goodness. If you ever get to Western North Carolina and want to see a tiny house, a tiny house (laughs) village, come on by.
1: How cool is that? You know, I've seen them
3: on TV. Mm -hmm. They're very cute. They're very adorable. They really are. I and they've got it. a
1: lot of good storage, so you're not tripping over stuff and that kind of thing. And oh, you yeah. don't need to clean
3: very much, which is the bonus. Oh, yeah. That's right. And it's a village. It's truly the first one I've ever lived in where people help each other out all the time. Oh, yeah. You know, oh, sure. cool. Everybody else, else is okay. Yeah. So, yay. Wow. Thank you, guys. Thank,
1: Thank you so June. much.
3: Oh, my goodness. You're somebody who inspires women. We need more of that. Ah. Oh. You're very nice. I really, really appreciate it. And I've said again, you know, I, when I first saw your title, uh, you know, Road Warriors, I thought, I'm thinking Mel Gibson. I thought, what, what, what? <laughs> and when I read about it, I thought, well, what a neat thing! What a great thing to do! You know, I'm I'm just standing in admiration well, of you. Thank you. So.
1: Mm-hmm. Thank you. That's a huge compliment. Appreciate it, Jean. And you have been a wonderful guest. Thank you for being on the show. We hope everybody's enjoyed this episode. And if you want to hear more episodes of Women Road Warriors or learn more about our show, be sure to check out womenroadwarriors.com. And please follow us on social media. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast. Thanks for listening.
0: You've been listening to Women Road Warriors with Shelley Johnson and Kathy Takaro. If you want to be a guest on the show, or have a topic or feedback, email us at S at Women Road Warriors.com.